Welcome back to the Armchair Trader podcast. And uh, today we have um, an exciting guest, actually, one who's been on before. Um, that's Dan Blondel, who is CEO of Nano One, a company we've been following now for almost a year. And um, we think it's actually quite a exciting opportunity in the uh, alternative energy area, which is something we've been concentrating a lot this year. So welcome, welcome Dan to the show. Oh, thanks very much. Um, great to be here again. I thought we'd just start off for the benefit of those people who who haven't heard the earlier podcast. Can you give us a quick rundown on on Nano One, what it is, what what you guys are up to? So Nano One, um, we're a, a publicly traded company uh, based in Vancouver and on the western in Western Canada, uh, listed on the the Venture Exchange, um, the TSXV, and we are a, a technology company focused on uh, on industrial technology for the production of cathode materials that are used in lithium-ion batteries. Now, a cathode material is is, uh, is really just a powder um, that gets incorporated into a battery, but it, it is the, the cathode material is the material that allows you to store energy inside the lithium-ion battery on one of the electrodes. And it's the most complicated uh, of the materials. It's the, it bears the largest burden of cost inside a, a lithium-ion battery. And it's comprised of, of raw materials like lithium, nickel, manganese, cobalt, and they um, uh, into a and they're made into a um, uh, a composite ceramic crystalline powder um, that effectively it looks like coffee grounds when before when we're done with it before it goes off to uh, be assembled into a battery. But essentially, each one of the grains of powder there um, are these uh, small little crystals that allow lithium to go in and out as you charge and discharge the battery. Really, what our our core is is to, is to develop technology to make these powders. And to do it to improve the uh, to improve the performance of the, the materials, and we have technology that improves. Let's say the, the durability makes it last longer. You get more charge charge and discharge cycles out of it. Um, and at the same time, uh, we're very focused on cost reductions and simplification of the supply chain. So we we have ways of of using um, um, sources of lithium, nickel, and manganese and cobalt that others aren't using. Uh, which uh, which uh, can bring better sort of an environmental stewardship to the process to help eliminate some of the uh, the extra steps uh, in the supply chain, which helps drive down cost and complexity. So that's a, maybe a very high-level overview of the company. And, and and as a technology company, we are focused on licensing. So we're, we're developing the patents, the intellectual property, the know-how, the people uh, for license and partnership with, uh, um, with large chemical companies or uh, mining companies or, or even uh, sort of electric vehicle kind of OEM companies. So we have relationships um, across the supply chain. To support all of that so you effectively have this this proprietary technology and um you're working with a lot of um different um international partners i know i know volkswagen is one of these and you've protected that ip with patents and then basically other companies are working with you to leverage this technology in the different areas that they're focusing on as they try and develop um, more efficient battery solutions Absolutely, and, and we and we work across the supply chain really for different in a way for different purposes. We're working certainly with the Volkswagens and the OEMs, the final you know end user of a battery, um, because we're trying to create demand for our technology and and for the for the materials we can make with our technology. But then we're also working with the, the chemical producers and let's say the miners and and, and sort of the, the the top end of the supply chain where everything comes from. We're working with them really to fulfill that demand, and so um, uh, in in both cases we're working at both ends of the supply chain 
uh, trying to um, uh, to create the demand and, and fulfillment, and uh, that's that's a big part of our strategy. And of course, we're protecting all of that with, uh, with patents, um, as you say. We have sixteen of them so far uh, issued in China and Japan, Korea, Taiwan, Canada, the U.S. The European ones take a little bit longer, but they should be out pretty soon. And and we've got a couple dozen, at least three dozen more patents that are currently being prosecuted in various jurisdictions around the world right now. So a very big part of our, our sort of business strategy is to is to protect all that with uh, with intellectual property patents and such. I mean, when we first started covering Nano One, it's been it was a bit of an educational experience for us because we didn't realize just how important the actual technology of what goes into a battery is and how many companies that are vastly bigger than you guys are spending a lot of time and money and effort trying to make batteries more efficient. And I guess one of the areas that for an individual investor to understand is that is something like an iPhone where um, you you find that you keep recharging your phone. And I'm finding this with my my iPhone now. Every time you recharge it now, it seems that it's not quite as efficient as it was before and that there's a gradual degrading of, of the battery. And when you when you scale that up to something like, for example, a car, um, where the most expensive component of the next generation electric vehicle is the battery, the amount of time you're going to be able to keep using that car effectively is going to become a serious uh, question for the auto industry, isn't it? Yeah, so, so one of the ways they get around that, of course, is, is it's a very big battery that they put in the car. And so unlike your phone, uh, you don't you don't fully discharge it every day. So most people um, who are experienced in driving electric cars, I have one uh, as well. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm at best, I'm using 10 to 25% of the battery uh, on, a, uh, on an average day. So all of a sudden that cell phone battery that lasted, uh, you know, three years, um, just to, to to sort of make a comparison there, if you were, you know, only discharging it, uh, you know, a quarter of the, a quarter during the day, it would last, you know, it would last out 12 years because you'd have four times that sort of lifetime of batteries. So that's one of the way the auto industry gets around it is by having these large batteries that you carry around and you don't use most days, but you need them for, for a weekend, maybe when you go for, you know, a long trip. Um, as a result, you get quite a bit of lifetime out of the battery. And, and I mean, obviously, one of the a lot of people um, here in Europe are following the, uh, the Tesla story and the Tesla share price, and it remains consistently um, one of the really popular stocks amongst investors. Elon Musk flagged up uh, his uh, battery day as, as uh, something where he was going to be making a lot of big announcements about the battery technology Tesla has. And there was speculation that you know they would be close to this fabled million mile battery. What, what's your what's your take on that and, and where, you know, the, the auto industry is with that level of technology at the moment? Well, specifically to the, maybe to the million mile battery, because there, uh, there's a lot to unpack from Tesla Battery Day. But uh, and, and actually, they didn't bring up the, sort of the million mile battery, um, uh, ironically, at the Battery Day. The, the focus there is really if you can make the, the underlying cathode materials and the chemistry within the battery is more durable so you 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 don't see as much degradation as you as you mentioned in your cell phone so what you're trying to do is reduce that degradation so then instead of lasting uh a thousand cycles it lasts four thousand cycles for your phone again like i say that would make it last 12 years of the battery as opposed to three 
and that's uh, really the aim of the of uh, of, of what they uh, what the Tesla researcher in at Dalhousie University showed last year is if you use the best of everything, um, uh, we can attain batteries that, that last that long. Now, um, the issue is that the the the, the batteries that, that were described in this in this research are not yet commercially viable. Um, because the the sort of the input materials are expensive and hard to make, and and um, and that uh, that all of that needs to get resolved. But if you can make them last four thousand cycles, then then yeah, it's not that hard to get to a battery and something that'll last um, you know well well beyond a decade, if not two. So, uh, but for for you know for certainly for for uh, if you're going to drive the car more aggressively, much much longer range, like a taxi might be using uh, on a day to day basis, or if you need to charge it more aggressively, um, or if you need to try and shrink the size of the battery to, to reduce cost, then uh, then the durability of the battery becomes more and more important uh, when you reach the um, you know when you reach these kind of aggressive use cases. And so, really, the concept of the million mile battery is really its durability. And that durability is what affords these, um, you know, the more extreme use cases, um, like I just mentioned. And th that's extremely important. So part of what we do at Nano One, um, uh, we're very much focused on durability. Um, we have three different sort of chemistries that we're working on. Um, lithium iron phosphate, um, which is uh, traditionally the longest lasting um, of all the, the, bat uh, the batteries, just the most durable, the safest, the cheapest. And, and it really has been a, LFP has been kind of a million mile battery for quite some time. The, the challenge is that it's never really had the energy density to drive much beyond about 200 kilometers per charge in the average car. Uh, we're seeing some changes to that, and uh, we can get into that a little bit later. Uh, but the key one that, that Tesla talked about was this, the one that has nickel, manganese, and cobalt in it, or, or nickel, cobalt, and aluminum, depending on the uh, the type of uh, battery and and t typically that lasts like your cell phone you know kind of in the thousand cycle range three years uh, of of charging full charge and discharge every day so we've developed a way to sort of coat the crystals um, uh, the individual grains of powder so that they uh, they just don't fall apart in the battery uh, as quickly and uh, and we had some we had some results come out in in late June um, uh, which we published in a news release and showing a four times increase to the uh, to the durability of the material by uh, by applying these uh, these specialized coatings and that's um, that's a key part of one of the one of our innovations all all in the drive to make these more durable batteries for for things like you know million miles or faster charging or or uh, or cheaper just cheaper batteries. And it's more than just. I mean, the other thing to emphasize, obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot of focus on um, vehicle batteries, and I know you're working on on not just cars but buses as well with partners who are in the the, the sort of public transport space as well. But this technology has applicability with you know a range of different um, devices and applications where people are using batteries and are looking for more efficiency, particularly in a world where you know, we want to use more clean electricity and, and try and uh, somehow manage our energy consumption better. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And actually, your audience, um, um, certainly in um, in the UK and, and in Europe, I think is traditionally more uh, up to speed on that than, than almost anywhere else in the world. And I think yeah, the, the, the renewable energy, whether it's wind, solar um, um, and, and other uh, types of energy storage and uh, the key there is, is anyone who's going to invest in a, in a large battery pack to store, you know, to store energy, uh, you know, during the day when it's windy or sunny to be deployed at night um, um, needs a battery 
um, first of all, that is going to get fully used. So it's going to get fully charged and discharged on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's, it needs to last 10, 20 years because the utilities that are putting money into this, um, they want as, you know, as high total cost of ownership as possible. They'll size the battery for, for the daily load. The, you know, the, what they don't want is they don't want, you know, a quarter of the battery unused every day because it's, it's, it's a waste of money. They want that battery heavily utilized and they need to last as long as possible. And so durability plays uh, very, very heavily into that. And, and whether that's, let's say, lithium iron phosphate, which um, is a natural contender for that, or if, uh, if there are sort of more energy-dense applications needed, maybe these coated nanocrystals for, for NMC will, will make sense as, as when you can get them up to that kind of 4,000 cycle range. That's just kind of, that's how these guys think. I think any, anyone in the industrial space is going to be thinking it very differently than, a, uh, than, a, uh, than the average consumer driving their car. I mean, most of us who drive our car, we don't drive it very far, but we want to have enough you know, range in the thing to, to take it out for a long weekend. And that's just not how, that's not how you think about buses and taxis, uh, nor, you know, uh, storage of energy on the grid. It's all about total cost of ownership. What is that battery going to cost you over the, its full lifetime? How much charge are you going to get out of that battery over its full lifetime and, and, uh, and have it fully optimized? And you, and you re you've obviously recently um, announced um, a breakthrough in longevity for um, a cobalt-free high voltage battery haven't you just uh, i mean basically that was earlier on this week when uh, stephen campbell or i, th I think your uh, chief technology officer uh, said that you guys had made a new breakthrough in this area yeah so so um uh, i can kind of unpack you unpack that a little bit for you um uh, maybe very briefly so it's a cobalt free cathode material and it's comprised of mostly of manganese uh, nickel and lithium and those are the those are the three main components in the battery. So obviously, cobalt free is very important because it uh, reduces the supply chain risk related to cobalt. Um, given that it's 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 largely sourced out of, of one place in the world, in, in the Congo. And the other dominant component is manganese, which is relatively inexpensive. So um, it's an inexpensive material um, uh, going into a battery. It's unique in the cathode space because it actually operates at four point seven volts. For your audience, uh, just to give that some context. Of course, your typical, you know, double A, triple A battery operates at one and a half volts. Most cell phone batteries operate somewhere around 3.2 volts, and most electric vehicle batteries operate between 3.5 and 4.2 volts. So this battery is is operating a full volt higher than the nominal electric vehicle voltage in, in a battery. So the increased voltage um, gives you uh, higher efficiencies and, and less heat um, um, building up the battery so it helps in the thermal management side of things and it also gives you more power uh, a power being um, how quickly you can get the energy in and out of the battery so that has, that relates to charge and it relates to acceleration and, and and things like that so those are the those are the kind of benefits of this however the, the drawback has always been as you bump up the voltage to well over four volts into that 4.7 range um, typically, in a battery, that causes all kinds of havoc with the uh, with the electrolytes and, and the materials. So you get you get manganese dissolving into the uh, into the electrolyte, and you get the electrolyte producing oxygen and gassing, uh, and so the battery puffs up. Um, and if it puffs up, it's going to do it almost immediately, and then the battery lasts two or three cycles. And if manganese starts dissolving and and fouling up the 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 other electrodes and coating places where it shouldn't go. Um, the battery might last 40, 50 cycles. So, so, so this kind of configuration we're talking about is, is, has, 
it really traditionally, um, not just traditionally, this, this is kind of a known thing. They, it, they only really last 40, 50 cycles at best, sometimes only a couple if you've got gassing. So it's really, we found a way with our coated single crystal to prevent the manganese from dissolving. And uh, by pairing it with the right electrolyte, we found a way to uh, eliminate the eliminate or, 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 or diminish the gassing um, to the point where we, we were getting a thousand cycles out of it. So it's a pretty remarkable achievement um, for us to come up with, a, with the right combination of electrolyte and cathode material to make this 4.7 volt battery, a uh, you know, give it some commercial viability because it, it really hasn't had it until now. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's kind of that unpacks the whole the whole part of the story. I, I'm sure that kind of leads to a bunch of questions. So I'll, I'll let you uh, ask away. <laughs> well, the the interesting the interesting thing for me, I mean, we we look at mining companies and the whole issue of cobalt in batteries is going to be an issue. I mean, you can see that it, it's almost you think about Saudi Arabia with the being one of the biggest producers of oil. Um, at the same time, oil is not concentrated in Saudi Arabia to the degree that cobalt is concentrated in the Congo, which is not the most stable place at the best of times. Um, this has got to be an area of, for further development for you guys, because if you can um, come up with a solution that means that the batteries don't require um, cobalt or less cobalt, um, that's got that's got to be a winner for the for the big manufacturers. For sure. I look, you know, uh, the, the Volkswagens and the big car manufacturers, they don't want to commit to a, to a battery platform uh, that requires a significant amount of cobalt because the future is uncertain. I mean, every even notwithstanding the child labor and ethical issues of, of the cobalt mining in, in, in Congo, you've also uh, you've got a, you know, an unstable government that every four years, um, you know, closes a few mines uh, for its political gains and, and then opens them back up. And, and the big auto manufacturers can't have that risk in their pipeline. And, and so they're looking to thrift cobalt out as much as possible. It's just simply too, it's, there's too much uncertainty there. So this material, the high voltage spinel, we originally designed it and, and, and it's kind of uh, uh, coating around each one of the, the crystals. We designed it for use in solid state batteries. And the coating was designed to to actually interface with the with a solid electrolyte in a battery. It's a very stable material. I mean, as you push lithium in and out, it, it doesn't contract and expand like other cathode materials. So it's mechanically very stable, which makes it ideally suited to a solid electrolyte. Because when you've got two solids together, you don't want one expanding at a higher rate than the other one because everything breaks apart. And so that's, that's always been a, a really strong candidate. But solid state batteries are... Um, you know, uh, the timeline on the commercialization of those batteries is is out there. Um, it's a next generation battery. What we've shown uh, with this recent result is a, is a battery. Uh, we've taken our high voltage spinel with the, or, or, or as we call it, the lithium nickel manganese battery. Uh, we've taken and put it in a conventional battery with a conventional light. And uh, it shows that there is uh, very much a near term in uh, uh in battery development um that uh, that could use this material um using relatively well-known well-understood uh, sort of configurations of the battery have, the industry doesn't have to take nearly as big a leap um as they might have to do with solid state so it's uh, that's a that's you know that's a really important thing to to understand uh, about the the news release we had earlier this week and that presumably is is a, is a technology that automakers and other other parties will be able to uh, evaluate 
and, and make a decision on i mean that's presumably something you can you can go out to the market with and, and discuss with uh, companies that might be interested in that yeah, listen, we're, we're already out evaluating this uh, the, this uh, material um, uh, in both solid and, and liquid um, uh, state uh, batteries. Um, so you know we've got a, we've got some kind of near term and and longer term sort of configurations there that might work. And there was uh, you know some of the largest battery uh, and and electric vehicle companies in the world. So yeah, there's a lot of interest in this, and of course. Our, our ability to sort of prove this on our own, um, uh, independently of the of the uh, of the arrangements we have with these other guys, is, is you know generates a, a ton of interest, and and you know we're hoping a bit of deal tension as well because um, uh, you know we're moving this thing along in parallel to uh, to what we're also doing in our relationship. So it's a big part of our, our strategy is to you know we're making sure that we have we show um, you know considerable sort of movement uh, on on our end of things as well. Yeah, it is. Is we believe it'll become uh, become a very important uh, battery in the future. I mean, we've, we've kind of dwelt a little bit on partners, and I know this is something we 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 come come across in our last um, podcast. You obviously can't. There are some partners you can talk about. There are some partners you can't talk about. Um, and and there's been there's obviously a lot of um, speculation about you know who you're working with, and you you did uh, announce partnership deal with a undisclosed Asian partner um, who remains unnamed earlier in the year. Are you able to provide any further update on that? Yeah, uh, maybe just to give your readers, uh, your listeners uh, some, some context here. So we're, we're working probably with about 20 um, different sort of, sort of multinational companies. And these are, you know, whether they're, they're miners, cathode producers, battery producers, or, or, or electric vehicle kind of OEMs. And uh, we've we've announced four of them. Three of them uh, we've disclosed the name, and the fourth one, which you just mentioned, remains uh, the name remains undisclosed. But the most notable name is Volkswagen, of course. Um, this uh, this Asian producer um, that we're talking about here is based in Asia, uh, Chinese, and I think it's important to understand that. So, um, um, and, and the other, really, the other big sort of powerhouses, national powerhouses in, in the battery space in Asia, are going are in Japan, Korea, Taiwan, and we're starting to see some big battery sort of initiatives emerge also in Southeast Asia as well. But um, to give you some color on these guys, they are a, a very large materials company um, involved in mining, trading, um, uh, specialized materials, um, of the whole works. And they, uh, they supply the uh, automotive industry in Asia, um, some of the largest car companies in the world, um, the, a whole range of different materials. And Cathode um, has been one of them uh, traditionally for them. And they're, uh, they're looking for ways to to differentiate um, what they are supplying to their customers, and they're trying to create sort of a long-term, uh, long-term relationships and long-term uh, supply deals on, on cathode materials. So, what we're working with, with them is is a next-generation material, and I can't tell you which one, but mm -hmm. um, it is a next-generation material, and it will be going into a kind of kind of a near-term or next-generation type of uh, lithium-ion battery. So, you know what I described before, like a high-voltage battery or a solid-state battery. Um, or uh, you know a longer lasting, let's say, um, single crystal battery. Those are all sort of sort of possibilities of where where this will go. And, and the exciting thing about this is is this isn't just it's not just a license deal. There's a strong possibility here of uh, of some kind of a joint venture, uh, assuming that the technology plays out and the demand for the material is there. And uh, one of the these are one of the, the sort of best groups um, uh, kind of we've ever worked with. They're very well aligned strategically, and 
and I think we've we've built a really good uh, set of business targets as well. We're nice. very excited about this group. Obviously, the partnerships are really critical for Nano One as a business, and and working with across a number of different areas is 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 a big part of what you do. Are you able to? I know you're not allowed to talk about any other partners, but are you able to shed any further light on the 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 sort of work that you're doing with partners without giving any 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 names away? Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I think I think um, we can. We certainly in the past we've talked about you know the, a variety of materials that we're working on, like lithium iron phosphate or the the high nickel NMC materials or low cobalt NMC materials is the other way to look at it. Plus, this one we we just spent a little while talking about the the cobalt free materials. You know, those are a various initiatives. Each one of those materials uh, and each one of those cathodes and batteries made from those cathodes have different properties. Some of them are better at some of them are faster charging. Uh, lower cost. Um, some of them uh, have much higher energy density, uh, but are you know not as durable. And, and so each one of them has uh, has uh, strengths and weaknesses, and that gives them different applications in different part of the market. Um, at this point, we feel those are the three most strategically important materials, so we continue to concentrate on them. But I think the more the more general theme here is is really exciting uh, for us. Is is on the performance side. It's about us being able to make these coated single crystal um, materials that, that last longer. They just reduce the side reactions in the battery. And in case of the the, the cobalt free material, instead of lasting you know two cycles, we've we're showing it lasting a thousand cycles. Um, it's a remarkable uh, improvement. And and in case of lithium iron phosphate, um, um, it traditionally has always had a, a sort of coated nano crystal on it, and we've just found a way to make it cheaper. And uh, and uh, and address some of the, the very um, aggressive sort of price pressures on that. So those are those are the kind of the, the material families. But I think your your audience here is going to really kind of appreciate the I think the 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 cost and supply chain side of thing we're doing. So this is all related to the ESG uh, environmental sustainability narrative that has emerged uh, really strongly this year, and of course. Uh, and very much so since the you know the June July timeframe when we we've just seen such a massive rise in um, clean tech investment and 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 that's resulted in a whole bunch of emerging opportunities. So uh, that's just a bit of a kind of a backdrop to this. But our technology is as a process. It's a chemical process. We have a way of assembling lithium, nickel, magnesium, cobalt into a, into a cathode material. Where we differ from the rest of the industry is um, we do not use nickel, magnesium, cobalt in the form of a sulfate. We use it in uh, in, in in other forms. Let's say in the form of a, a carbonate or hydroxide, or even we can even we're even starting to look at how uh, we will use it just a straight metal um, uh, as an as an input material. And what that does is it gets rid of the sulfate uh, waste stream. So you don't have sulfate. Uh, you don't you don't want sulfate in your battery. But right now, the way the industry works is they the the, the refiners make nickel sulfate, for instance, and they ship that off to the cathode guys. It's twenty percent nickel and the eighty percent sulfate and water, and that gets shipped off to the cathode guys. And the first thing they do is they mix it with a stream of cobalt sulfate and manganese sulfate and they precipitate it out all of the sulfate the sulfate goes to waste and so is the water and they create a they create a nickel manganese cobalt hydroxide or carbonate from it and so this sulfate is being you know worked up at at a great cost at the at the refiner it's just an amazing amount of inefficiency 
and and waste and that uh, that is how the the supply chain works today i think that's a really fundamental thing to sort of understand here we're getting uh, some considerable traction right now um, both with the miners and with the uh, with the auto guys and that's because the auto guys want to see it cleaned up and the miners want to want to find a way to clean up the supply chain as well so there's this tremendous kind of initiative really to, to push that forward we use non as i said non-sulfate forms so we solve this kind of supply chain problem it helps um, uh, helps consolidate the supply chain by getting rid of let's say the sulfating step um, it reduces cost. Uh, the sulfating step is actually quite expensive. And then, lastly, and and um, and your your I think your listeners will be kind of aware of this part of it as well. Is that we use a our process is is what we call the single pot process, a one pot process, and we add lithium in at the same time as the nickel, manganese, and cobalt, and that allows us to use lithium carbonate <clears throat> as opposed to lithium hydroxide. Um, lithium hydroxide is is more corrosive it's more expensive it's harder to handle it's very uh, susceptible to water and moisture uh, lithium carbonate is is completely the opposite um, uh, it's cheaper easier to use um, easier to handle by using alternative sources of lithium nickel manganese cobalt iron whatever whatever the feedstocks are we're finding ways to actually change the supply chain work with the miners work with the auto companies to force the supply chain to clean itself up and and address these 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 glaring problems with in, environmental uh, sustainability so that's uh, uh, I think that's a that's a big part of, of the emerging narrative that we have going coming right now, and and we we launched a uh, we launched a uh, a program to 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 move this forward. We've been working on it for for a little while, but we uh, we brought on a uh, an ex valet um, uh, VP uh, named Bob Morris here in Canada um, to help us um, sort of build the build the narrative around that, and we are uh, we're kind of off to the races with it. It's uh, it's a, a very exciting opportunity for us. And, and this is based, and just to sort of summarize for people so they fully understand the importance of this. If you're in a situation where if people are manufacturing these batteries as a means to help to save the environment and um, provide a, 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 an overall cleaner environment, it's a little bit contradictory if the actual process involved in manufacturing these batteries is itself potentially often it's expensive to a make it happen in an environmentally friendly way but also some of the other processes that have been involved historically are not are not as environmentally friendly absolutely and, and if, look it, it's anytime anytime you um you get a supply chain maturing uh, these kinds of things have to happen and, and the technology is a way to, to resolve them um uh you you need to bring technology to, to bear on the on the manufacturing and you've got to get everyone to adopt the new changes in technology and that's certainly our cross to bear um, we've got a lot of work to do on that front, um, but it uh, it's it's a very exciting time because we feel we're we're sending we're sitting right at the center of the thing and with some really important intellectual property um, that can enable us to um, to change the way the world makes cathode materials and battery materials. Last time you were on the podcast, um, that wasn't something that you were discussing. So this is this has obviously been a more recent development for Nano One and one that you obviously is an important strategic direction for the company. What was it that prompted you to look at this more closely? Well, it, it's it's actually it's always been part of our system, so it doesn't really change our process. Um, and and it is, uh, I think, it's been a harder story to tell until this year when we started to see the sort of the whole environmental sort of 
and, and the whole ESG narrative really emerging earlier in the year in, in back in January, February timeframe. And then COVID took a chunk out of it for a while and it's all sort of come back in, in June, July timeframe. A couple things, um, you know, so we, we already had all the work underway. Um, we're already kind of, you know, like I say, working with the miners and the EV companies on trying to figure out how, how the supply chain could look if they was using our technology. And so that's all been kind of happening in the background. Um, and what really tipped it um, for us was uh, with Tesla back in in kind of July timeframe. It was Elon Musk going, he says, we need to clean up nickel. <laughs> and um, uh, uh, that narrative took the, uh, you know, brought it all to the forefront. And uh, so we scrambled at that point and said, okay, well, let's, let's, let's launch this. Let's launch our initiative publicly because, um, uh, because it's, it, you know, it's out there. Um, Tesla says they want to see it changed and, and we have a technology that can kind of address it. Look, I'm not saying we're working with Tesla on this. I'm just saying that they, they put the narrative on the table and it, and it played really well into our, into our book. So, um, you know, a couple of weeks later, we, we, uh, we came to the, came to the market with an announcement about what we were doing. And, and this guy, Bob Morris, that we hired to, uh, to be, uh, to help us sort of build the strategy around that and to build a relationship with the miners and, and, and all the people that have to be involved with it. And then, and then, uh, and then, you know, uh, three weeks later, after we made this announcement, Tesla has their battery day. And, and of course they said very clearly, Hey, we need to, we need to be working directly from, uh, from the metals going to the cathode material. And it just, it couldn't have played better into our, into our, uh, into our book and, um, uh, very much provides a, a level of, of, uh, it corroborates, you know, our, our story and our narrative, and uh, um, so we continue to work with with our partners on very much the same thing. It's uh, it's certainly been uh, from a share price point of view, it's been a it's been a it's been a good year for Nano One. I mean, when we were when we were since we've been covering you, um, the 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 share price has done extremely well. At at the time of this recording, it's it's not far off three dollars Canadian. And you you recently um, announced um, a new equity offering, which you've gone to the market with um, just this week. Can you give us a little bit more detail of that and um, what uh, your plans are in terms of the money you're raising from that? Yeah, well, listen, we, we as you, as your listeners will know, we raised money in February, uh, raised eleven million dollars, and uh, and then brought in another three million from um, from a local government here, and and have had a, a bunch of warrants um, uh, come in as well. So uh, you know our treasury is, is it looks very good right now, but really what's changed since February is this huge ESG narrative, um, and it's driving you know uh, a massive amount of clean tech investment. And with that comes uh, comes a whole bunch of emerging opportunities that we didn't really see. They weren't really kind of uh, the sightlines on them weren't as obvious uh, earlier in the year. But as of you know, as of uh, June, July, August timeframe, it uh, it's really there. So this whole thing about simplifying the supply chain that I was talking about the uh, um, the fact that we're able to uh, show this no cobalt uh, or this cobalt free uh, battery. You know, um, surviving um, at high voltages is uh, uh, is a really big um, uh, play as well. So we've also seen uh, we've seen uh, 
uh, BYD in China come out with this new blade LFP battery, which is a, uh, it's again, it's, it's a battery to frame architecture, like, like Tesla talked about, um, but using LFP uh, as a, as a, as a material and, and they're able to drive up the energy density of the pack to the point where they, you know, they think they can get a four or five, 600 kilometer range car. But in fact, they're already selling them. Uh, you know, they're, they're years ahead of Tesla in terms of bringing this whole idea of cell to frame to market. And all of these things um, are, are really the backdrop to, uh, to the, to the financing. And um, uh, so, you know, timing is really good on that front. And of course um, the capital that we're raising here is coming at two and a half times uh, the raise we did in, in, uh, in February. So, uh, and it's going, it's going to be, uh, you know, we've got long only funds coming into the, in, into the, into our, uh, into, into Nano One, which is something that we have been working hard on over the last few years. So uh, that's a big part of it. And, and they of course have a, have a long EV ESG sort of investment, investment thematic um, uh, that comes with them. And that's, uh, you know, that's just what the company needs. So look, it, it's, it's opportunistic. It's about, it's, it's timing and, um, and uh, we can do it in a, in a relatively, uh, you know, non-dilutive way. So that's, uh, that's really the backdrop and, and why we're, why we decide to pull the trigger right now. The timing certainly seems to be uh, seem to be good for that because there is there are a lot of funds out there and a lot of um, family offices and other investors who are looking for this kind of um, pure ESG play and uh, you seem to be extremely well positioned from that perspective. Yes, yes. Thank you very much indeed, Dan, for joining us and for um, keeping us uh, up to date on what's going on with Nano One. Um, if uh, you are interested in following the company, um, we continue to cover Nano One on a regular basis. So make sure you um, check out uh, www.thearmchairtrader.com for further updates. Uh, certainly a story that we will be following closely. Thanks very much indeed, Dan. Uh, much appreciated. And thank you for the, uh, once again, the opportunity to uh, update your audience.